The legends of the American Mafia are woven into the fabric of American society and pop culture. We've all seen the movies or heard the stories of the men of this secret society. They're stories of family, power, wealth, respect, greed, betrayal, violence, murder, and mayhem. While the golden age of the mob may be over, the stories have become lore, and the names remain as infamous as ever. You're listening to the Members Only Podcast, hosted by history buff and mob aficionado Jacob Stoops. He tells the true crime biographies of real-life mobsters and dives deep into the plots, subplots, and real facts behind Cosa Nostra, as well as popular mob films and television shows. Viewer discretion is advised. and welcome to the last episode of my three-part series on the basics of the mob. I am your host, Jacob Stoops, and I'm a longtime history buff and mob aficionado. Since there are a lot of new listeners, let me give you the rundown on what this podcast is all about. Over the coming weeks and months, my goal is to tell the true crime biographies of real-life mobsters and dive deep into the plots, subplots, and real facts behind Cosa Nostra as well as popular mob films and television shows. If that is of interest to you, I'd love it if you'd like and subscribe to my YouTube channel to get the latest updates as new episodes are released. Also, if you're someone who'd rather listen to just the audio version, you can find my podcast on most podcasting platforms, but of course, the main ones are Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, CastBox, and Stitcher. As I've said in previous episodes, the YouTube version of the podcast is going to have more rich content, images, videos, and of course my beautiful face, but if you'd rather hear me than see me, I 100% understand you wouldn't be the first person to have that opinion. All that being said, if you listen and share with your friends and family to help me get the word out, I'd be in your debt. A few additional quick call-outs before we get into this episode. Number one, you crazy bastards, I thank you all. I had not really expected to get even four subscribers, let alone 400 plus, so I thank each and every one of you and hope you'll enjoy the content in the weeks and months to come. In fact, if we get to 500 subscribers, I might do some special giveaway just to celebrate uh, and reward you for listening. Number two, for those that have left comments, both positive and critical, Keep it up. I love your passion. Just keep it coming. Uh, I really appreciate the interactivity and how educated you are as an audience. And I enjoy responding and even debating, uh, even to the person who said that I need to learn English and also to the people that have rightly said that I suck at pronouncing Italian names. I will get better. Uh, and number three, after this level setting episode series, I'll be getting back to doing more gangster biographies in the upcoming weeks and months. And my plan is still to focus on people that are lesser known. I've gotten many, many great suggestions and I'm already building a really robust schedule. So if you have someone you'd like to see covered, you can simply leave a comment on the YouTube channel or you can email the show at membersonlypodcastshow at gmail.com. That's membersonlypodcastshow at gmail.com. Uh, as I said, I've got a pretty robust schedule starting to, to take shape. So if you want to get your person in, uh, send me an email, leave a comment, and I'll see what I can do. Okay, so on to today's show. 
Uh, if you remember, some of my viewers had asked for a sort of primer episode on the American mob, so I actually decided just to do a basics of series to set the table for anyone who's not as well-versed uh, as the, the hardcore mob genre listeners that exist out there in pockets. Many of you uh, who, are, who are my core audience are the hardcore people, uh, but I do want to, to make sure we've got some content for people that are just getting into the genre. In part one and two, we covered the origins of the mafia, how the mafia came to America, the black hand, how prohibition in the Castellamarese war propelled the development of the mob forward, and we ended with mafia structures, rules, regulations, and codes of conduct. So if you haven't listened to parts one or two, this episode will still be able to stand on its own merits. But if you want to start at the beginning, including the origins of the American mob, I definitely say cut over and listen to parts one and two first and then come back to part three. As for this episode, we're going to start with mafia slang and verbiage, do a Sports Center like highlight reel by decade uh, and answer a few other questions about the American mob to close the series out for good. Okay. So let's bring this home with the final Basics of the Mob episode. Okay, so you might have listened to the first few episodes of this channel and said, hmm, I wonder what that thing Jake just said actually means. This section is for you. I'm going to do my best to cover off on as much mafia slang and verbiage as I can so that you can understand the basic lingo that is often used in the mob genre and in real-life mob conversations. Let's start with some of the formal positions and roles in the mafia. Uh, we covered this in the last episode, but let's just do a quick refresher. So family, borgata, that equals an individual crime family. The truth is, it's your big mouth that brought this borgata down. There are five in the New York City area and many individual families in other areas throughout the country, such as Chicago and Philadelphia, even to this day. I want to thank you for helping me organize this meeting here today. And also the other heads of the five families in New York and New Jersey. Cosa Nostra means our thing in Italian. This is what the mob calls itself internally. La Cosa Nostra, or LCN, is another name. Uh, the syndicate, the outfit is what Chicago calls itself. Uh, the office is what the New England crime family calls itself. The arm is what the Buffalo crime family calls itself. So each of these families kind of have a way of referring to themselves internally. Whether it is called Mafia or Casa Nostra or whatever other name you wish to give. Made means to be initiated. You're going to be a made guy, Donnie. Uh, sometimes it's also called Made Man, Mafioso. Um, being made is actually sometimes called getting your button, getting straightened out. Wise guy, good fella, man of respect. If you read Joe Bonanno's book, proposed uh, is when you're a, re a recruit uh, to be made. We always called each other good fellas. Like you'd say to uh, somebody, you're going to like this guy. He's all right. He's a good fella. He's one of us. You understand? We were good fellas, wise guys. Capo de tutta capi means boss of bosses in Italian. 
Uh, this title has been uh, an early aspirational title by some of the earlier crime bosses, but it was officially done away with in 1931 by Charlie Lucky Luciano after the Castellamorese War. I think it's a good idea for all of the bosses who serve under one boss. Uh, and as you can imagine, boss is the head of a crime family. Why do you do this to me? Because I'm the boss of this family. You forget. I forget nothing. Underboss is the second in command of the crime family. You backdoored me. Well, that was your underboss, and I was out there whacking guys for you. Consigliere is a counselor or advisor to the boss, typically the third-ranked position in a crime family. I am here <clears throat> representing Mr. Paul Vitti as his consigliere. Consigliere. <laughs> <laughs> Capo regime, uh, the leader of an individual crew, a subgroup within the crime family. It's also called capo, captain, skipper. There are a number of names. This is kind of the middle management layer of initiated mob members. You got to talk to the capo regimes, that Tessio, that fat Clemenza. Uh, speaking of which, a crew uh, is a group of individuals working for a particular person, typically a capo. Crews are composed of the capo as well as their soldiers and associates. What happened over there? I mean, did you know that guy you threw out was with me? A soldier is the lowest ranking, officially inducted maid member of a family. What was your position? At first, like everybody else, I, I was a soldier. An associate is a person who is associated with and working for the family, but who is not actually made. It's somebody who's not taken uh, the uh, induction rights. But Jimmy and I could never be made because we had Irish blood. It didn't even matter that my mother was Sicilian. To become a member of a crew, you've got to be 100% Italian so they can trace all your relatives back to the old country. Omerta, the code of silence, which is the vow to never share the business of the family with outsiders, including law enforcement and even uninitiated blood family members. I want you to take this oath. You pledge to keep it secret forever. If you violate the code of Omerta or betray this brotherhood, then may your soul burn like this saint. The commission. The commission is the ruling body of the mafia. They set the major policy decisions across all families nationally. Traditionally, each New York family has one seat or vote uh, for each boss, and a few other families from other regions also have a seat on the commission. It's usually uh, about six to eight uh, total members of the commission at any one time, each of which having a vote. This table, it's round for a reason, because nobody sits at the head. There's no boss. There's seven bosses, a commission, five families in New York, plus Buffalo and Chicago. The administration, uh, when you hear that uh, referred to, that typically is when somebody's talking about the leadership of a particular family. Top three guys. Paulie Gautieri? No, management. Tony Soprano, obviously, plus Silvio Dante, and we think Bobby Baclieri. That Mortadelle's number three? He used to be Junior Soprano's driver. And you used to sell laser printers out the back of your Crown Vic. Okay, so now I'm gonna go through some other lingo, but it's really in no particular order, so please bear with me. A hit, a hit, we do a hit now. is an assigned mob killing. Uh, it's also referred to by a number of other uh, names. Uh, it can be called a contract uh, to go whack someone or to get whacked. 
to push a button, uh, as you famously heard from Willie Chichi in The Godfather. Well, when the boss says push a button on a guy, I push a button. See, Senator? Mr. Question. Button man, uh, which essentially means a hitman. You'll often hear them say a piece of work or the work, which means, of course, to murder somebody for the family, to clip someone, to pop someone, to make your bones. Uh, again, these are all ways to refer to a hit, making your bones or to pop your cherry, of course, also is your first hit. All of these things just mean murdering somebody for the family. Do you know who I am? I'm Mo Green. I made my bones when you were going out with cheerleaders. Wait a minute, Mo. Uh, famously in Donnie Brasco, you will hear uh, the verbiage friend of ours versus friend of mine. Uh, this is very common in uh, mob circles. And this is mafia slang to refer to a made man versus a non-made man. Okay, when I introduce you, I'm going to say this is a friend of mine. That means you're a connected guy. Now, if I said instead this is a friend of ours, that would mean you were a made guy. This is commonly used during introductions to alert a made member that the third party is not a made member and no secrets should be shared in front of them. Hey, Lefty. Hey, Lefty, what do you say? This is Donnie, a friend of mine. How you doing? Given a pass or to be given a pass means to be forgiven for an offense. Uh, a lot of times when you're given a pass, it is because you have committed some sort of a hanging, killing offense. Uh, and uh, a group capo, underboss, boss, soldier has decided to not kill you. Kid has friends. I'm sorry, Uncle Bobby. Anything, whatever Tony Soprano wants me to do, take it easy. I got your pass. To be shelved or put on the shelf. Uh, this simply means to be retired or kicked out of the mob, usually for an offense of some sort. Uh, often it's a killing offense. Don't be afraid, Carl. Come on, you think I make my sister a widow? I'm godfather to your son, Carl. Go ahead, drink. Drink. No, Carl, you're out of the family business. That's your punishment. A pinch or to be pinched means getting arrested. The whole fucking force is out there. You know I can take a pinch. A stand-up guy. First of all, I respect you, Lorenzo. You're a stand-up guy. We're from the same neighborhood. Uh, this is someone who is willing to do prison time without talking or ratting. You'll often hear mob guys say, yeah, uh, that Joe, Joey, he's a stand-up guy. So what about Andy? He won't talk. Stone's a good kid. Stand-up guy just like his old man. A rat, snitch, stool pigeon basically refers to someone who has turned informant and who is working with the police to share mob secrets. Uh, in some cases, especially with the Lucchese's in the late 80s and 90s, even uh, people that were not rats uh, were ordered killed because of the suspicion that they were uh, informing. Fucking rat anyways. Whole family's all rats. Would have grown up to be a rat. A bit. Uh, that simply means uh, uh, time spent in jail. Look, I gotta die five times before I get out of here. But I'll see you again. This side or the other. Heavy means carrying a gun. So when you come heavy, it means you come carrying a gun. Packing, same thing. You come carrying a gun. Next time you come in, you come heavy or not at all.
a sit down. This is a, a really fundamental thing in the mafia. It simply means a meeting between made members to talk business or resolve a dispute, very much like a business meeting for the regular corporate world. You're gonna be a fucking funny boy too now, huh? Hey, you Sopranos. Yeah, but Jackie, you go around hoping you and your uncle could settle a thing just the two of you. I'll be invited to a fucking sit down. A beef. Uh, a beef is simply a dispute between made members or associates, can be from the same family, different families. A beef is typically resolved at a sit down. You're done? Go ahead. All right, first of all, Jimmy, and with all due respect, this kid's a fucking strunz. Come on. Oh, shut your fucking mouth. On the record, or to be on the record, uh, when you're on the record with a family, that means the family is aware of your criminal activities and the person uh, or you yourself have been recognized as belonging to the family. So uh, you might say uh, Joey's on record with the Genovese family. Doesn't necessarily mean that they are made, though. It means that they are just doing work for the family. Off the record, uh, means a family is not aware of the activity of a specific person and they've not been recognized as belonging to a family. I won you and I'm going to keep you. Well, that's right. right. I'm not giving you up. And so is Sonny. Go all the way. I didn't like the last remark that Sonny says, well, we, we own Donnie and we're giving up Rocky. Now you give up my prick, I says. Checking in uh, or touching base. Uh, this is, again, something that's very fundamental. Uh, to day-to-day -day mafia activity is basically when you are letting your mafia superior, your capo, your boss, uh, know what you're doing, criminally speaking. When were you going to tell me about it if I hadn't called you here? I'm here now. I'm telling you about it now. That's the second time I'm playing catch-up with you. What the fuck are you talking about? An enforcer is someone who is willing to commit violence to enforce the family's edicts. My father made him an offer he couldn't refuse. What was that? Luca Brazzi held a gun to his head, and my father assured him that either his brains or his signature would be on the contract. An earner, conversely, is someone who makes big money for the family. You're supposed to be earners. That's why you got the top tier positions. Kicking up quite simply means sending money to your mob superiors. In the mob, all the money goes up. The money does not go down. It is the ultimate pyramid scheme. My uncle. The boss of his family is on trial for his life. And what you people are kicking up to him is a fucking disgrace. A social club is a place where mob members and associates often hang out. These used to be big, but began to be used less and less for business when many social clubs started to get bugged in the 1970s and 1980s. Joe Messino, the former boss of the Bonanno family in the 1990s and the early 2000s, actually banned social clubs in his family to reduce the chance for law enforcement scrutiny. Well, we can't have him here in our social club no more. I mean, that much I do know. In the social club? He's gotta go! A bug, speaking of a bug, uh, or to be bugged is when the FBI or the police have installed a listening device to record conversations between mobsters. A wire, uh, a little bit different than a bug, or when you hear somebody is wired for sound, that is when an informant is wearing a listening device directly on their person to record conversations with mobsters. Bumpin' Saro. Pussy? What about him? He's wired for sound. To go on the lam, 
uh, is to become a fugitive from either law enforcement or to escape potential mob retribution. You'll hear cases of both. Junior's right. We're going to lamb now. It's open season. The fucking Albanians be living in our houses. The sheet, the pad, the take, the fix. Uh, basically, these are all things that refer to the list of payoffs that is levied out by the family to corrupt police, politicians, etc. And when the cops, they assigned the whole army to stop Jimmy, what did he do? How you doing, Joe? Rich. He made him partners. Okay. Jimmy, I complained, but who'd listen? Aguma, sometimes called Agumar, and forgive my pronunciation, please. It essentially is a mafia mistress. Saturday night was for wives, but Friday night at the Copa was always for the girlfriends. Zips, uh, that is uh, a name for Sicilian mobsters who are operating in America. But if Don Carlo had said, you gotta go, I would have come here today with these two zips, and you would go. The books, uh, this, the books are simply uh, a roster. It's not anything written down on paper, but it is a roster per se, a list of made men in each family. It's kind of a record. Uh, and it is typically referred to in the sense of either the books being open or closed, meaning that families either are or are not making new members at that time. For reference, the books were famously closed by Carlo Gambino in 1957 when he became boss of the Gambino family and didn't reopen again to allow new made members until the late 1970s. By what I did on the Triborough Tower situation alone, I should have been made right then, boom. Hmm. No, I'm fucking serious, Tony. The books are closed. Did you talk to Jackie about me? They're not accepting any new members, okay? Racketeering, also called the rackets. Uh, this is verbiage used by law enforcement to describe a criminal scheme or enterprise, for example, loan sharking, which we'll define in just a little bit. A racketeer is the individual running the racket. Ernie, you better quit this racket. You can dish it out, but you got so that you can't take it no more. Okay, RICO stands for the Racketeer Influenced and Corrupt Organizations Act, a federal statute enacted in 1970. The statute allows prosecutors to seek tougher sentences for mobsters if they can prove a connection to a criminal organization or syndicate. In theory, the statute also allows the government to prosecute every member of a crime family once the criminal conspiracy has been proven. <laughs> so what's going on? Well, the U.S. Attorney's Office has been working a whole year on a huge RICO case against you, your brother Gene, Angelo, and Domingue. Damn these fucks. I'm sorry. I know where you live. Yeah, I know. Let me go through this Rico thing again. It says if anyone anywhere is caught doing anything wrong, then everyone is guilty up and down the line. Yeah. Wait a minute. This is a law. Yeah, it is the government's license to throw out the Constitution. If they can prove that somebody is part of a continuing criminal enterprise, they can lock them up for life. Continuing criminal enterprise. I don't even know what the fuck hey, that means. They lock up Nixon for life when they raided his Democratic National Headquarters with whatever the fuck they were. The plumbers. Yeah, he had an ongoing criminal enterprise his entire career. A mustache Pete uh, is, of course, a derogatory name used by younger mobsters to refer to older, often Sicilian mobsters who they believe to be too old school, set in their ways and racially biased to only want to trust or work with other Sicilians, even when it means forgoing large sums of money.
Conversely, a young Turk is a name given to younger mobsters who are considered to be upstarts by the old guard mafiosi. The old way of doing things. It's over. The mustache pizza are in the ground. Our friends, our partners, the Jews, the Irish, what have you. If it's good for business, it's good for us. There's no point limiting our opportunities. Murder Inc. or Murder Incorporated uh, was the Jewish enforcement arm for the mob in the 1930s and 1940s who were suspected to have committed hundreds of murders on behalf of the mafia. You know, on my mother's side, we have a few dark sheep. Excuse me? Lepke. Who's Lepke? Louis Lepke, bulk halter. You know, Murder Incorporated. My mother's uncle was Lepke's real man, his driver. Uh-huh. Those were some tough Jews. Witsek is simply another name for witness protection, uh, of course, which is where a lot of informants go after their informing days are over because of the, the relative level of anon anonymity. Whenever you move me, I ask you once and I'm going to tell you again, I don't want to go any place. It's cold. You really don't have a choice in that matter. Ed, come on. Just whoever fucking controls it. Just no place cold, all right? Do that for me. I'm trying to, I'm He's doing it. G's or large, as in 30 G's or 30 large. Uh, in this case, 30 uh, G's would equal $30,000. So a G or large uh, is simply $1,000 monetary increments. You realize this motherless fuck is into me for over eight large. The numbers, uh, the numbers are a traditional mob racket, also called the Italian lottery. Uh, and they are a form of illegal gambling or illegal lottery played mostly in poor and working class neighborhoods in the United States, wherein a better attempts to pick three digits to match those that will be randomly drawn the following day. Uh, it's actually very similar to the regular lottery, with the exception that winners and the lottery operators aren't paying tax to the government. That's what makes it illegal. This call comes from the office of a numbers operation. The office manager may be called a controller, the office a drop, checkup, or counting house, the clerk's inside men, varying with the locality. Here, numbers bets are received and tallied, necessary records kept. Numbers operations take bets on number groups, usually three, in a given order. Digits are determined by drawing, as in policy and bolita or by daily published figures such as parimutuel payoffs, treasury balances, or stock exchange action. Extortion, uh, this is another name for basically the mafia's bread and butter. Extortion is the practice of obtaining some sort of a benefit, typically monetary, through coercion, often threat of physical harm. Have a nice trip. See you next fall. 712 counts of extortion, 849 counts of racketeering, 246 counts of fraud, 87 counts of conspiracy murder, 527 counts of obstruction of justice. How do the defendants plead? <laughs> 
Bookmaking is another traditional mob practice, and bookmaking is the accepting of bets on either sporting events or other events at agreed-upon odds. The benefit of working with a mob bookmaker as opposed to a legitimate book would be that you don't have to pay taxes on the winnings to the government. Of course, the flip side of this is that your legs may be broken or worse if you lose a bet and fail to pay. woke up to find that his dreams had just been the stuff of pipes. Want to place a bet? How much? 20 large? Oh, you must feel real lucky. I'll take your bet and lay it off. I got a bookie's bookie. I'll give you two to one on the horse. Grayson form says nine to me. So you go to the ticket vendor with your 20 grand in hand and you get nine to one if the spread sticks. You come in here with your pockets turned out, you get two to one. The juice is 10. That means if you lose, you're all in for 22 grand. 20 for the bet, two for the juice. Can you pay these monies? Huh? Can you? Yeah. A bookmaker uh, is actually the primary person responsible for the bookmaking operation. So bookmaking, the bookmaker. I mean, what kind of an idiot would bet uh, <sighs> would bet on Buffalo to win a big game like that? It's true. I swear to God, it happened. I mean, this guy was so out of touch, he didn't even have the ten large to cover his bet. Hey, tell somebody to turn up the heat. So, Billy, what happened was this book, he got so sick of hearing everybody's excuses. I mean, they're all the same, you know. Everybody's got an excuse. Anyway, this book, he got so sick that he just had to throw up. And the only way he could make himself feel better was to, to do bad things. Layoff bet or laying it off, uh, you will hear this uh, commonly used by bookmakers. And it's a bookmaker's practice of placing bets with the money they have received from bettors to avoid incurring uh, large losses in the event that a lot of bettors hit on a particular bet. What's the matter, Chrissy? Tell Uncle Paul. This being made ain't working out the way I thought it would. A lot of responsibilities. Fucking A. What did you think? You're only as fucking smart as this week's lines. One false move and you spend your fucking time chasing it instead of making money. Welcome to the NFL, rookie. Loan sharking, uh, it's another traditional mob practice, uh, and it is the practice of lending money at very, very, very high interest rates, uh, and specifically lending money on credit. Uh, these loans are often taken on by desperate clients uh, who can't get money from reputable institutions like banks, and it's well documented that mob loans come with astronomically high interest rates, sometimes requiring interest payments that exceed 50 to 100 percent per year. I'd bet 20, 30 grand over a weekend, and then I'd either blow the winnings in a week or go to the Sharks to pay back the bookies. This can also sometimes be referred to as Shylocking, the person running it as a loan shark or a Shylock. God damn it, get your shy running right. That's what you should be focused on. You'll also hear something called the VIG or Vigorish, and that is the amount of interest that a borrower will pay on a loan. Uh, sometimes you'll also hear it referred to as juice, points, tax, 
and you might hear a mobster say, hey, I'm going to lend you 100K uh, at three points or at, uh, you know, at 3% VIG. I got about three grand here. Point and a half good? Oh, come on. Fuck this. You got to have it. Don't want you eating cat food. Come on, stop it. I don't got to have it. I don't want a VIG from you. A fugazi is another word for a fake. Uh, you see this term most famously used in the movie Donnie Brasco. I'm asking you to middle a diamond for me here. Now, all I want for my end is 8,000. What I'm saying to you is you should give it to somebody that don't know any better because that's a fugazi. All right? That's a fugazi? How do you know it's a fugazi? You looked at it for two seconds. What? It's a fake. But, yeah, I know what a fugazi is. Vendetta. So a vendetta is a private feud originally between Corsican or Sicilian families in which the relatives of a murdered person will seek vengeance by killing the murderer or some member of his family. Uh, this is most often a Sicilian thing. Pesinovante uh, means big shot or higher authority in Italian. This word is often heard uh, in the movie, The Godfather. And also if you've read the book, you will see it a lot. Cugine uh, simply means a young criminal who is looking to be inducted. And I refused to be a fool. Dancing on the string held by all those big shots. I don't apologize, that's my life, but I thought that but when it was your time that, that you would be the one to hold the strings. Senator Corleone, Governor Corleone, something. Another person of Uh Fenuk or Finocchio. Uh, and again, uh, this say what you will about this. I don't personally have a problem with it, but this is a derogatory word for homosexuals in Italian. Imagine lying next to a guy 15 years and all the time he's been playing for the pink team. Who told you? Tony swore me to secrecy. I'm not going to burn my sources. Anyway, it's all over the place. Those children. Imagine when they find out their father's a fanook. Infomnia uh, basically means uh, something that is disgraceful, a disgraceful thing in Italian. You will hear that uh, in the bank scene with all of the bosses in the movie The Godfather. So they can't resist. I want to control it as a business, to keep it respectable. I don't want it near schools. I don't want it sold to children. That's an infamia. Vafangu or Vafanculo. Uh, and again, forgive me the pronunciation. It's most often heard as Vafangu. Quite honestly, it means go fuck yourself or fuck you in Italian. You just told me to make you dinner. Hey, Vafangu, huh? Oh, Vafangu, you! So vafangul to anybody that's talking to me uh, about my pronunciation. A stunad uh, is a stupid person or an idiot. Uh, so anybody that talks to me uh, about my Italian pronunciation is a stunad. He's a stunad of the first magnet. Uh, and then moving into, again, more, something more derogatory. So you'll often hear uh, the terms guinea, wop, dago, or greaseball. And again, these are offensive uh, terms to reference Italians never typically used by Italians, of course, unless it's in a joking manner. I thought I got all you guinea hoods locked up. What the hell are you doing here? What happened to the men who were guarding my father, Captain? 
Why, you little punk. All right. Okay, so that's it for the lingo. If I've missed anything or if you have any questions, please leave me a comment below and I'll do my best to respond or to clarify. I learned the two greatest things in life. What? Look at me. Never ride on your friends and always keep your mouth shut. Okay, so with this section, I'm going to give you the one to two events per decade that I feel are the most noteworthy happenings in the mob. I won't get into everything and I won't go deep. So this will just be kind of scraping the surface on some of the mob's history. Uh, if you have more to add or want to see a specific event covered in more detail, let's have that conversation in the comments below for this episode. Uh, and I'm going to kind of go through it kind of sports center style, almost like a top 10, a flyby quick highlights. So we'll start with the 1930s. So of course, the pinnacle event, uh, not just in the 1930s, but in the entire history of the American mafia is the Castella Marese War, which we touched on in the last episode and which led to the creation of the families and the National Crime Syndicate. After that, the first major event probably occurred in 1935 with the killing of mobster Dutch Schultz. This is a significant event as it's really the first major instance of the commission enacting its authority. Schultz's gang, who at the time was considered the sixth family by law enforcement, though they weren't actually Italian, was being investigated by prosecutor Thomas E. Dewey. Uh, and Schultz had gone to the commission to ask for permission to have Dewey killed. And when permission was not granted, he very, very loudly and boldly stormed out of the meeting and stated that he was just going to do it anyway. Uh, and as a result, the commission decides to have him killed instead. Uh, now, the ironic thing is that the commission at the time was presided over primarily, of course, by other bosses, but primarily by Charlie Lucky Luciano. And he himself would become the next target of Dewey. Luciano was actually arrested in 1936 and eventually convicted of compulsory prostitution, which many believed was actually a frame job. Either way, he was sentenced to 30 to 50 years in prison, which leads to a significant chain of events that would shape the families even to this day. All right, moving on to the 1940s. Uh, of course, in the 1940s, you had the outbreak of World War II, which led to huge profits for the mob at large, as many mobsters took advantage of the black market after common goods like gas, sugar, and other goods became rationed. Then in 1946, Charles Charlie Lucky Luciano was released early from prison for his support of the war effort and protection of the New York docks. Uh, when Luciano is released, he organizes what is now known as the Havana Conference in Cuba, which was a meeting of mobsters across the country that led to the mafia's involvement in the heroin and cocaine trade in which they set the course to catapult the mafia into the position of lead distributor of drugs in the United States for the next 20 to 30 years. Uh, so huge, huge ramifications for the uh, American public uh, and may not have happened had Luciano not been released early. Uh, the 1950s, uh, this was a very, uh, very big era. The 1950s ended up pretty much as probably the most tumultuous era uh, in the mafia until much later in its history. Uh, and this is because of a few defining events. So from 1950 to 1951, you have the Kefauver hearings in which a Senate special committee led by Senator Estes Kefauver conducted hearings across many major cities on the mafia. 
This forces J. Edgar Hoover, who had previously claimed that the mafia didn't exist, to admit it was real, and also, for the first time on television, exposes the underworld to the U.S. population at large. The hearings took place across 14 cities and forced hundreds of mobsters to testify, though many simply pleaded the fifth. Uh, also, these hearings in particular damaged Frank Costello, who was at the time the Luciano family boss, now the Genovese family, and eventually sets the stage for Vito Genovese to make a play to take over the family. Speaking of Vito taking over the family, in 1957, maybe the single biggest year in the history of mob, you have a chain of three critical events. First, you have the failed assassination attempt on Frank Costello, which of course was orchestrated by Genovese and eventually leads to Frank's abdication and Vito's ascension to boss. Second, you have the successful assassination of Albert Anastasia, which was part of the coup led by Genovese and Carlo Gambino. This move also leads to Carlo becoming the new boss of the Gambino family, and his two-decade run as boss is generally, uh, generally viewed as one of the most successful reigns, if not the most successful, of any boss in the history of Cosa Nostra. And then lastly, all of this upheaval leads to the Appalachian Conference, which is largely considered to be the biggest debacle and single most embarrassing event in mafia history. Uh, the Mobster Summit, which took place in Appalachian, New York, was a meeting of mobsters from across the country called specifically for the purposes of crowning Vito Genovese and Carlo Gambino boss of their respective New York families and to settle any remaining turmoil between the families at large. The conference was accidentally uncovered by local and state law enforcement and a raid led to the detainment of more than 60 mobsters, including many bosses. Many of the bosses were actually caught running through the woods in their haste to get the heck out of town once the police raid began. Uh, and this is where, uh, outside of the discovery alone, the greatest source of embarrassment comes from uh, as uh, you know these, these leaders, these huge mafia bosses, uh, running like scared, uh, scared little kids with mud on their shoes, their clothes are torn and tattered. Uh, it was generally uh, viewed as unbecoming of people of their stature. Uh, and the public awareness caused by this event and the renewed pressure uh, from law enforcement to take down the syndicate uh, basically, again, leads to another chain of events uh, that would eventually lead to the disintegration uh, of the mob uh, in the end of the, the golden age, so to speak. Okay, so the 1960s. Uh, now, the 1960s, for a lot of reasons, was a very tumultuous period for uh, the United States as a whole. There's a whole lot going on. Uh, of course, there's the, the civil rights movement. There's, uh, you know, men going to the moon. There's the assass assassination of presidents, of civil rights leaders, of the Vietnam War, uh, just to name a few. Uh, but I would still say that even though there's a, a lot of really significant events uh, going on in the mob at the time, the 50s probably are, would still be, uh, in my opinion, the most tumultuous era uh, in mafia history. So outside of the rumored mob involvement in the Kennedy assassination in the 1960s, you have really two seminal events. In the early 1960s, you have the first Colombo War, though it should be noted that at that time, uh, the family was still called the Profaci family. And the first Colombo War is basically when Crazy Joe Gallo uh, and his crew lead an insurrection against longstanding family boss Joe Profaci. The war goes on from 1960 to 1963 and eventually fizzles out as Joe Profaci dies of natural causes and Joe Gallo is sent to jail on a 7 to 14 year sentence. 
Also, early in the 1960s, you have the Bonanno family at Civil War. Uh, and this uh, Civil War was also called by the media the Banana Split or the Bananas War. This war was a revolt led by members of the Bonanno family who had grown disenfranchised with the lack of presence and the nepotism of longtime family boss and namesake Joe Bonanno. The war itself culminates with Joe Bonanno being shelved after he, along with the new head of the Profaci family, Joe Magliocco, laid a failed attempt uh, to assassinate top bosses of other families, Carlo Gambino, Tommy Lucchese, uh, in order to take over the commission for himself. Uh, when Gambino and Lucchese find this out, uh, they banish Bonanno from New York under threat of death and then designate new bosses for both Bonanno and the Profaci family, with the Profaci family being taken over by Joe Colombo and being renamed in his honor. It's now known as the Colombo family. The 1970s. Uh, okay, so in 1971, uh, we just spoke about uh, Joe Colombo, of course, taking over the family. Uh, and of course, he launches the Italian-American Civil Rights League, which leads to a lot of notoriety for himself and for the mafia. And in 1971, you have the shooting of sitting Colombo boss uh, and family namesake Joe Colombo by a lone gunman at the second Italian Unity Day rally. Uh, it is widely believed that the shooter was working on behalf of family member uh, aforementioned uh, in the first uh, Colombo War, Crazy Joe Gallo, who himself was actually assassinated the following year. All of this sets the stage for Carmine the Snake Persico to take over as family boss, which he served as until his death in 2019. And then in 1976, you also have the death of Gambino family boss and namesake Carlo Gambino of Natural Causes. This sets the stage for Paul, Big Paul Castellano to take over as the Gambino family boss, which will have massive, massive ramifications down the line uh, for the entire American mafia. And then the 1980s, uh, one hell of a crazy era, still probably not as crazy as the 1950s, but uh, bodies were definitely dropping in the 80s. First, in 1985, 1986, there was the Mafia Commission trial in New York City in which the FBI indicted 11 high-level organized crime figures and more specifically the heads of New York's so-called Five Families. The initial defendants included Paul Castellano, Tony Salerno, Carmine Persico, Anthony Tony Ducks Corallo and Philip Rusty Ristelli, as well as their subordinates. United States Attorney Rudolph Giuliani famously figured out how to leverage the RICO Act to send the hierarchy of the families to prison for stints of up to 100 years in jail. And then, of course, uh, during the commission trial, the second massive event uh, of the 1980s had to be the assassination in Christmas of 1985 of the Gambino boss, Big Paul Castellano by capo regime, Jean Gotti, which paves the way for his ascension to boss of the Gambino family and which ultimately lays the path for the family's eventual decline after the defection a few years later of eventual underboss, Sammy the Bull Gravano in the early 90s. And then getting into the 1990s, uh, again, uh, the mafia is still pretty crazy. Uh, from 1991 to 1993, the Colombo crime family goes through its third civil war after Capo and acting boss uh, Vittorio Little Vic Arena tries to get himself declared as official boss over the incumbent and imprisoned boss Carmine the Snake Persico. 
Also in the early 90s, Joe Messino becomes the boss of the Bonanno crime family, which plays a significant role in both the resurgence and the eventual fall of the Bonanno family later on. And then getting into the more modern era, into the 2000s. So in 2004, remember what I just said about Joe Messino? Uh, Joe Messino, the boss of the Bonanno family, is convicted in a murder and racketeering indictment based on the testimony of several cooperating made men, including Messino's disgruntled underboss and brother-in-law, Salvatore Vitali. And additionally, uh, he was also facing the death penalty for another murder case, uh, and this leads him to become the first sitting Cosa Nostra boss in history to turn state's evidence and rat on his compatriots. He testified for the first time in the 2011 murder trial of his acting boss, Vincent Vinnie Gorgias Basciano, helping win a conviction against him. And he was released from prison in 2013, and he is in the witness protection program, believed to be living down in Florida. Also in the 2000s, I know a lot of the focus, of course, has been on New York, but also in the 2000s, uh, you have Operation Family Secrets in Chicago, which actually officially begins in the late 1990s, but culminates with the trial from 2005 to 2007 that convicts five high-ranking members of the Chicago outfit. This includes reputed boss Joey the Clown Lombardo, Capo, Frank Calabrese Sr., outfit front boss James Jimmy Marcello, and a handful of others. Uh, in this case, is extremely notable as aside from taking down the reputed leadership of the family, you also have, have a son, outfit associate Frank Calabrese Jr., and brother, outfit soldier and hitman Nick Calabrese, testifying against their father and brother, of course, Frank Calabrese Sr. Uh, and then uh, bringing it up to the 2010s, which is probably about as close as I'm willing to take things in terms of the modern day mob. In 2011, the largest single day takedown in the history of the American mafia occurred when 700 federal agents rounded up 127 mobsters in a single day, with 34 of them being reputedly made members. This event has been dubbed Mafia Takedown Day. Okay, so that's it with the events. Uh, I've brought things about as close to current as I felt comfortable with. If you disagree or want to add to the conversation, again, feel free to leave a comment uh, below with this video. Okay, now that you know what a made man is, how does one get made and what is the ceremony actually like? Uh, in order to become a full member of the Mafia or Cosa Nostra, a prospective member must take part in an initiation ceremony, also called a making ceremony or getting made. The ceremony consists of oaths, blood, and an agreement is made to follow the rules of the Mafia as presented to the inductee. While the first known account of the ceremony dates back to 1877 in Sicily, the American Mafia still uses a watered-down form of the initiation ritual even today. The typical cadence of the actual initiation ceremony typically has a few common features. First, the new recruit is led into the presence of other members and presented by a member who has sponsored them for induction into the crime family. The recruit is often asked if they know why they are here, to which they are supposed to reply no, which is somewhat of a running joke uh, among Mafia membership. The recruit is given an overview of Cosa Nostra, including its basic rules, then his finger is pricked with a needle by an officiating member, typically the boss or underboss. A few drops of blood are spilled on a card bearing the likeness of a saint, 
The card is set on fire, and finally, while the card is passed rapidly from hand to hand to avoid burns, the recruit takes an oath of loyalty to the Mafia family. After they take the oath, and once all inductions have finished, they have all the specific rules explained to them, and there is a sort of uh, solemn party or kind of a celebration before everyone eventually departs the making ceremony. Famously, Joe Valachi described his ceremony in front of the McClellan Committee in 1963. I sit down at the table. There's wine. Someone put a gun and a knife in front of me. The gun was a 38, and the knife was what we call a dagger. Maranzano, the boss, motions us up, and we say some words in Italian. Then Joe Bonanno pricks my finger with a pin and squeezes until the blood comes out. What then happens, Mr. Maranzano says, this blood means that we are now one family. You live by the gun and the knife, and you die by the gun and the knife. More recently, the FBI has actually been able to record induction ceremonies through various mob rats wearing wires. Here's a transcript from a Patriarcha crime family induction ceremony in October of 1989 with New England Mafia boss Raymond Jr. Patriarcha presiding. We're all here to bring in some new members into our family and more than that, to start maybe a new beginning, put all that's got started behind us. And bygones are bygones and a good future for all of us. You all come here highly recommended, Patriarcha told the recruits. You've all done everything you had to do. Stay the way yous are. Don't let it go to your head. It's not to be used to make money. It's not an advantage, a ticket to abuse people. It doesn't make you better than other people. The thing is you have all of us to protect you. If you don't let it go to your head and you don't abuse it, you'll have a happy, happy, happy life. It is at this time that consigliere Joseph J.R. Russo asked the recruit Carmen Tortora if he had any brothers. He answered that he had one. If I told you your brother was wrong, he's a rat. He's going to do one of us harm. You'd have to kill him. Would you do that for me, Carmen? Russo asked. Yes, Tortora said. Your mother's dying in bed and you have to leave her because we called you. It's an emergency. You have to leave. Would you do that, Carmen? Russo asked. Yes, Tortora said. Finally, Biagio di Giacomo, a capo born in Sicily, administered the remainder of the oath in Italian and offered a primer on the history of the mafia dating back hundreds of years. We get in alive in this organization, and the only way we're going to get out is dead, no matter what, Di Giacomo said. It's no hope, no Jesus, no Madonna, nobody can help us if we ever give up this secret to anybody, any kinds of friends of mine, let's say. This thing cannot be exposed. After mobsters wined and dined and finished their business, Russo and Capo Vincent Ferrara stayed behind to make sure their visit would not be detected by the homeowner. They emptied the barrels in the kitchen and bathroom, opened the windows to get rid of the smells of smoke, and scooped up a few crumbs from the floor. Just before Ferrara locked the door, agents heard him say, Only the fucking ghosts know what really took place over here today, by God. So have families ever been infiltrated? Absolutely they have. The best known case of law enforcement infiltration happened in the late 1970s and early 1980s with the Bonanno family when FBI agent Joe Pistone posed as jewel thief Donnie Brasco and infiltrated the Colombo family first, but then and more predominantly the Bonanno family. 
This is the basis of the very famous movie Donnie Brasco, where Johnny Depp plays Agent Joe Pistone, and of course the great Al Pacino plays made man Lefty Guns Ruggiero. Pistone worked undercover for five years from 1976 to 1981 and became embedded inside the Bonanno crew of Sonny Black Napolitano and, of course, Benjamin Lefty Guns Ruggiero. He had gotten so deep into the crew as an associate that he was actually proposed for membership and given a contract to make his bones by killing Bruno Indelicato, a made member of the Bonanno family. It is at this time in 1981 that Pistone was pulled out of his undercover role by the FBI and his status as an FBI agent was shared by law enforcement. In the immediate aftermath, once the infiltration was revealed, the leader of the crew, Pistone, was with Sonny Black Napolitano, was murdered for having allowed the FBI to infiltrate his family. He was shot dead and his hands were cut off. Additionally, Lefty Ruggiero was also on his way to be murdered by the Bonanno family when he was picked up and quote-unquote rescued by the FBI. Afterwards, a $500,000 contract was put on Pistone's head and the Bonanno family was officially kicked off the commission. In actuality, this turn of events would actually favor them later on during the commission case, but at the time was a huge embarrassment for the family. I can't believe I stuck up for him. I feel like I've been stabbed in the heart. So the last question I want to cover in the Basics of the Mob series is, is the mob still active today? It is absolutely still active. In fact, there was a major news story that broke within the last few weeks. On September 14th, 11 reputed members and associates of the Colombo crime family, including the boss, underboss, consigliere, as well as captains, were charged in a labor racketeering case brought by the U.S. Attorney's Office in Brooklyn. The indictment accuses the Colombo family of orchestrating a two-decade scheme to extort an unnamed labor union that represented construction workers using threats of violence to secure payments and arrange contracts that would benefit the crime family. I'll just leave you with this. When it comes to Cosa Nostra, the families aren't what they once were in their golden age from the 1940s through the mid-1980s. That being said, as long as there are vices and rackets that can be capitalized on, there will always be a mafia. The structure was built for longevity and the individual parts are replaceable. To quote Michael J. Driscoll, the current FBI assistant director in charge of the New York field office, the underbelly of the crime families in New York City is alive and well. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. Okay, <laughs> so that's a wrap on the basics of the mob series. Hopefully after watching this series, you'll have a great base of knowledge laid so that when we get into future episodes, you'll be able to follow along pretty easily. Uh, if you have any questions or if there is something that I didn't cover off on, please let me know in the comments below. Next week, we'll be getting back into mobster biographies, and the plan is to cover the original Gambino boss, Vincent Mangano. If you enjoyed this episode, please like and subscribe on YouTube. I'd love to hear from you, and you've been awesome so far about dropping your comments. Uh, if you would be so kind, please rate the podcast on Apple to help the show grow, uh, and take a peek at the merch store available on our website, www.membersonlypodcast.com. Until next time, grazie. Thank you for listening to the Members Only Podcast. If you're watching on YouTube, 
please hit like and subscribe to help the channel grow. You can also listen anywhere you get your podcasts. Until next time, don't forget to keep your mouth shut.